Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. If you have a Bible this morning, if you'll turn with me over to John chapter 10. There are a lot of good chapters in the Bible. A lot of good chapters in the Bible. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. John chapter 10, uh, just some great power in, in um, the recording of Jesus' words here. But I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, grab a connection card. If you didn't get one when you came in, there's one in one of the chair pockets in front of you. Um, just fill out that connection card. You can drop it in one of the black boxes as you're leaving. So grab one of these connection cards. Just jot your name down there. We just want to make record of your presence with us. And on the back of the connection card, there is a place for prayer. Because at Whitechapel Church, we believe in the power of prayer. And we want to join with you in prayer. So you can put your connection card here. You can drop it in one of the uh, the black boxes as you're leaving. If you want it to remain confidential, there's a place for you to mark that on on the back of that card as well. And I celebrate with you almost 30 hearts that we have in telling people, sharing his love, sharing the name of Jesus with people. And so we want to ask if you would join us on this journey. We believe that God has called us as a congregation together to share Share his love with at least a thousand people this year. And we don't just take these hearts and throw them up here because today's Valentine's Day and this is the right thing for us to do and we're going to take them down next week. No, what we do is we ask that as you share his love with someone, write their name on one of these hearts. You can find them out in the lobby. You can find them on the welcome desk. They're all over out there. Write the name of the person that you shared his love with um, throughout the course of the week when you're here on Sunday morning and then drop it in one of the, block, one of the black boxes. And what we do is we pray for these, these names during the week, we pray over these names because it's not just a heart. It's not just a tally mark. It's not a pat on the back for us as a church. We believe that our call is to not only discover Jesus, but to share his love. And we are not going to be selfish with the God that redeemed us. We want everybody to know. And so would you, would you join us in that? Also, If you do not have a Bible, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we want you, before you leave today, to stop by the welcome desk and pick up a Bible. There are some great Bibles that are out there. They're no charge. We're not going to charge for the Word of God. uh, But you can pick up a Bible that's going to last you a long time out at the welcome desk. We believe that much in the Word of God. We want you to be in the Word of God. There's power as we study His words that He has blessed us with. And so we want to encourage you to stop by the welcome desk and pick up a free Bible if you don't have one and you're here this morning. We're going to look in John 10 this morning, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture, a ton of Scripture. And so I want you to just stay with us there in John 10. I'm going to put the rest of the verses up on the screen for us so that way you can see them. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Gary, we went back to Crystal River, and we were with the church in Crystal River um, just for that one Sunday. But... um, but, 
My, is my iPad going crazy here, I think. Um, but we went back to, to Crystal River, and um, Pastor Gary came, and he shared with you uh, what could have been a Christmas message. It would have been a great Christmas message. And uh, I'm so thankful for the privilege of being able to serve with Pastor Gary. Uh, he is just an amazing man of God, and we are blessed as a congregation for him, uh, to, for him to be able to be a part of this congregation and our staff as well. But he proclaimed the word Emmanuel over us as a church, which simply means God with us. That's not just a Christmas message, and it wasn't just for a season of three decades or so while Jesus was here on the earth. That is something that continues for us even in 2021. Emmanuel, God with us. And so one of the things that I think that we then have to ask as kingdom people, as followers of Jesus, if God is with us, what does that mean for us? So Jesus didn't just go back to heaven and he's given us a few thousand years to wait for his return. But Jesus is actually with us. When you leave here today and you're driving in your car to wherever you are going, Jesus is with you. When you are at home later today and you are sitting there or if you're out to eat or wherever you go today, Jesus is with you. When you lay down your head tonight and you're getting ready to close your eyes, Jesus is with you. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is with us? I believe when Jesus, it was proclaimed that Jesus was coming and that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, it wasn't just that Jesus was in the flesh for those three decades or so that he was here, but it continued afterwards so that we as his children would continue to experience the presence of God. And I think that we have sometimes shied away from that, forgetting that at all points when we are in relationship with Jesus, that he is with us. If you catch nothing else this morning, this is what I want you to hear. God is with you. Before you were with God, he was with you. And he will continue walking with you. Now, you can walk away from that relationship. You can turn your back on Jesus, but he will never turn his back on you because he is with you. In the 34th Psalm, verse 4, David the psalmist wrote this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. David, seeking the Lord, got an answer back from the Lord. In the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, who was with Christ in chapter 3, verse 20, says, Here I am, writing the words of Jesus, John recorded, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, did you catch the words of Jesus that John recorded there? Jesus said, If anyone hears my voice, the scripture goes on to say, and answers, I will come in. If he opens the door, I will come in, and I will eat with that person, and they will eat with me. John said, you need to hear the voice of Jesus. It's important for you. He is with you, and if he is with you, if you will be listening, he will speak to you. 
without the ability to hear God in your walk with Christ, you will always be stunted in your identity and your growth of who He desires for you to be. It is, again, imperative that you hear the voice of God. Now, I'm no dummy. That, that might be debatable to some, but I'm no dummy. When we go around saying, yeah, I, I hear the voice of God, there are going to be people that think that you've just gone completely off of the deep end. And you may have even walked with Christ for quite some time. And in that time, you've never actually thought about hearing the voice of God. You have always maybe thought that your side of the relationship was just you pouring your heart out to Him and hoping for the best afterward, not waiting on His fulfillment of, if anyone hears my voice. And you may have thought, well, absolutely, there were some people in the Old Testament that heard the voice of God. But they were some very special people, and, and that was the Old Testament. Well, there were some people even in the New Testament that heard the voice of God. In the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 2, we hear or we read of God actually spending time with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they heard the voice of God just walking with God in the garden. You can think, well, that's the Old Testament, and that's before sin entered, right? God continued to walk with his people. God continued to speak with his people. In Genesis chapter 6, God actually speaks to, Moses, to Noah. And here, God says to Noah, I want you to do this special assignment that I have for you. Noah proclaimed the assignment that God actually had given to him. And people thought he was crazy because he heard the voice of God. In Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abram says he's going to be a mighty nation. In Exodus chapter 3, God speaks to Moses. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, God speaks to Samuel. God spoke to David. God spoke to Solomon. God spoke to the prophets. We could go on and on and on, all throughout the Old Testament, of God actually speaking to people. Now listen, I'm not talking about always being an audible voice. Because what you have to know about the voice of God is that it is not an audible voice. Because God knows how Michael Chambliss is. If I start hearing voices around me, I will never turn the lights off at nighttime in our house. I even now sleep with a nightlight on. in the. I don't like sleeping in a dark room. If I start hearing audible voices, that's a whole different scenario. Now, I'm not saying God can't do that. And I'm not saying that God has not done that to some people. I'm just saying for each one of us, we have to be able to discern the voice of God living in February 14th of 2021. God is a God that speaks. He spoke in the Old Testament. He speaks all throughout the New Testament. Let me give you some slides here of God actually speaking in the, Old Testament, or in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, these verses, he spoke to Philip. In Acts chapter 9, he spoke to Ananias. In Acts chapter 10, he spoke to Peter. In Acts chapter 16, he spoke to Paul. In Acts chapter 10, he spoke to Cornelius, who was a non-Jew, by the way. If God's going to speak, you would think, well, we can make the argument he's just going to speak to the chosen people, right? No, God speaks to Jews and non-Jews alike. In Revelation, all of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ as it was actually given, actually given to John. And then we get to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is here on the earth. 
He's been in his public ministry for some time now. And as he's gathered some people around him and he's talking to his disciples, Jesus is telling not only of the physical of him being here on the earth, but he's telling about what's going to happen even after he ascends. And he's giving this analogy to the religious folk. And he's telling all of the religious folk, listen, this is how the father cares for his children. And the analogy or the illustration or the parable, if you will, that Jesus is using is what it's like for the sheep to be in relation with the shepherd. In John chapter 10, I want to look at verse 1 here. These are Jesus' words. If you have a Bible where the words are in red, these are red words signifying that Jesus spoke these words. John recorded it. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep, get these next four words, listen to his voice. The next five words, he calls his own sheep. The next phrase, by name, and leads them out. It's amazing what Jesus is saying here. And the religious people are actually missing it because they are caught up in the routine and they are caught up in the day-to-day trying to live in relationship with God all on their own. And Jesus is saying to the religious people, listen to what I am telling you. This is how the Father wants to be in relationship with you. He calls you by name. You hear his voice. And then what happens? He leads them out. Some of you have been doing searching and looking for answers all of your own. Some of you have been looking for people to lead you out of something that you may be dealing with in your life. And Jesus wants to say to you today, listen to me. I am speaking to you. You just need to hear my voice so that I can lead you where I desire for you to be. John goes on to record here in verse um, 27 at the very, very end of this. Listen to this. My sheep hear my voice. Listen to me, Whitechapel Church. If you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, it is vital for you to hear the voice of God. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And then he said, and I know them, and they follow me. Some of us have been following a lot of different things in life. A lot of different things. And what the enemy does is he will put things in your life without hearing the voice of God you will think are good. And you will think, that's something that I need to follow. Well, it's good, isn't it? It's, it's, it's great. It, it has this, this moment to where it just feels like, yeah, this is the right thing. But without hearing the voice of God, you are following the wrong thing. And Jesus wants you to just pause for a few moments to hear his voice. It is our faith that connects us to his voice. Now, I'm not quite this old, 
Some of you may be this old, but you remember when you had to pick up the phone and there was somebody on the other end of the phone that said, I want, they, they wanted to know how you could help them. They were called an operator. We were trying to explain to one of, one of our daughters here a while back about what an operator actually was. And like, you mean there's somebody on the other end of the line sometimes? Yeah, there is. But in this, you would pick up the phone and there would be somebody automatically on the other end of the line. And that person would ask you who you wanted to speak to. And then they would connect you directly to that person. And that person automatically was on the other end of the line. Here's the interesting part of this. And I think there is some implications in this to our walk with Jesus Christ. All we have to do, according to Revelation 3.20, in Jesus' words, all we have to do is pick up our end. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. All we have to do is pick up the receiver and Jesus connects us to God. What was it that was broken in the Garden of Eden? It was the connection to God. So what was the purpose of God coming in the flesh to be Emmanuel, God with us? It was to fix that connection that was broken all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up to the birth of Jesus, what God was doing was preparing the way so that he could come as Emmanuel in God in the flesh so that we would be connected to God. We would be able to pick up that receiver and be able to hear the voice of God. All throughout the scripture, all throughout the scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, what we discover is a God that wants to be with his people. Now, could you imagine being with somebody and not having a conversation with that person? That would be miserable. The reason that God wanted to be with his people was that so he could knock and you would be able to open the door and he would be able to have conversation with you. Listen, God loves you so much, so much, that he came to die on a cruel cross to defeat and overcome sin so that you could be in relationship with him, in conversation with him. All throughout the scripture, we see a God that loves us and wants to be with us in conversation with us. Now there are some reasons, and if we would be honest with ourselves, there are a lot of, a lot of um, fears, if you will, that the enemy will bring into your life that can cause doubt about you walking in relationship with God and being able to sense or hear the voice of God. And one of the lies that the enemy will tell you if we were to go further in, in John chapter 10, it's actually my favorite verse, but if we were to get to John 10, 10, we would see what the work of the enemy does. Jesus said, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so what the enemy will do is he will attempt to destroy you by telling you lies. Everything that the enemy wants to do is he wants to destroy your walk with God so that you are not able to discern or hear the voice of God. So what the enemy will do is he will bring some uh, lies into your life. 
And one of the greatest lies that the enemy will tell you, if you'll be honest with yourself, you will say, yeah, I felt this at times. The enemy will tell you that you are not spiritual enough, whatever that means, that you are not spiritual enough to be able to hear or discern the voice of God. Well, we say, well, the, the people that we shared on the screen this, this morning, there, there was Peter and there were Paul. These were some amazing apostles. We talked about Adam and Eve in the garden and how different it was on that side, that side of a non-sinful life. We think there's Moses, there's Abraham, there's Noah. We go on and on with all of these spiritual giants of the faith, right, that have heard the voice of God. And the enemy will say, well, you are not like them, and so you're not spiritual enough. And he'll do it with people that have lived in our own lifetimes as well. The enemy will say, well, you are not like some amazing theologians that have walked with God. You're not like some amazing evangelists or preachers that have walked with God. We would be able to see, we would probably be able to say without any uncertainty that Billy Graham walked with God and heard God's voice. We would be able to say that some, even some spiritual giants that have stood in this building, like the Dr. Berquist, I would say that he heard the voice of God. Let me tell you, all of these names that we have talked about, none of them have heard God by anything that they did. All they did is hear the knock of Jesus on the door and open the door. Jesus came in and they began walking with Jesus so that they were able to discern and hear the voice of God. The enemy will always tell you, you are not spiritual enough to hear the voice of God. And in those moments, you need to speak the name of Jesus over that lie. Because Jesus paved the way for us to be able to go straight to God. So, we were be, so just like the operator at the other end, we were able to be in relationship and be in conversation with God. The enemy will tell you that you are not spiritual enough to hear the voice of God. But what you need to remember is that disciples are made, they are not born. And here's what I mean by that. Paul grew in his relationship with Jesus Christ. Billy Graham grew in his relationship with Jesus Christ. Billy Graham did not come to Christ and boom, he's preaching to millions of people around the world. The reason he was able to preach to millions of people around the world is because he opened the door and began a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He leads us. The reason that Billy Graham was able to preach to millions is because disciples are made, they are not born. And here's what I, here's, here's what I think is the best illustration of that. Every single one of us were entered into, entered into this wor world as babies. You could not feed yourself. You could not walk by yourself. You could not change your clothes. You couldn't do anything all on your own. You were an infant coming into this world in relationship with those that are around you. In the same manner, when you entered into relationship with Jesus Christ, you came into your relationship with him as a spiritual infant, not a great godly disciple. The way that we get to be a great godly disciple is the same way that we go from being a baby physically to becoming of age and being able to do things on our own. 
We walk with people, we learn from people, and we hear the voice of our parents to lead us. The same way that you become an amazing disciple is that you walk with people, you spend time with people, and you hear the voice of your father. Now I want to tell you, actually, I want to apologize to you. Because I think that the church as a whole, not just Whitechapel Church, but I think that we as a whole have put way too, eh, wrong word, we have put all of our emphasis on people getting in relationship with God that we forget we need to grow up and hear the voice of God. We think, and we have have taught this, as long as you are in relationship with God, you're going to be okay. And I think that we've, I think that we have not told the full gospel. You do need to be in relationship with God. But God is not, God not only wants you to be in relationship with Him so that someday you're going to go to heaven. He wants you to be in relationship with Him because He wants to walk with you every single second of your life. You see, being in relationship with God is not about heaven. Being in relationship with God is about experiencing His presence and hearing His voice today. Disciples are made. They're not born. You once were born again. And with all sincerity and gentleness, hear me. It's time to grow up in the faith. It's time for us to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has given to us. And that is walking daily with him in his presence. So I ask you this morning, are you tired of, you tired of trying to figure out the right way to go on your own? Are you tired of waking up every single day and you're just like, well, here I am. I guess I've just got to figure out this day again all on my own and try to do the absolute very best that I can. I'm going to try to live the very best life that I can. I'm going to try to do good. I'm going to try to get all of this stuff. I want to do all of this stuff. And what I want to say to you this morning is just stop and come home to the voice and presence of God. Because it is only there, only there, will we find true rest and hope. Another lie that I think the enemy will bring into our life is um, kind of what the writer of Hebrews was writing about in Hebrews chapter 13. He was kind of, in essence, uh, addressing this. The enemy will tell you, well, you can figure it out on your own. And that's, that's kind of how we live life as Americans, right? We're smart people. We've got resources as Americans. We're really got a lot, we have a lot of privileges here. And so what we say is just, you know, pull up, pull up your bootstraps, figure it out, put in the time. But that actually is contrary to our faith. Jesus did not expect you to figure out life on your own. Adam and Eve tried that in Genesis. It didn't work if you've not read that part of the Bible. 
They tried to figure out life on their own, and they failed. When we try to live life and figure it out on our own in 2021, we're no different from Adam and Eve in the garden, and we will always fail. The enemy will say, figure it out on your own. You're smart, right? You've got resources, right? Do it. Figure it out on your own. That's a lie of the enemy, and you need to know that. Otherwise, our temptation in the flesh, of which the writer in Hebrews 13 was saying, crucify the flesh. We've got to crucify the flesh so that we don't figure out life on our own, and we start to actually walk with Jesus Christ. So these are, I could go on and on, there, there, there are countless lies that the enemy will tell you when you start pursuing, hearing, and walking in the voice of God. The enemy will always, always lie to you. But I want to give you some hindrances to hearing the voice of God. These are some things that we have to be willing to overcome. We have to discern and know the lies of the enemy. And then there are some other things that can cause us to not hear the voice of God. And this is a little methodical in this, but I think it's important for us to actually catch this. The number one thing that I think can keep you from hearing the voice of God outside of the lies of the enemy is a damaged ear. A damaged ear. What the enemy does in bringing lies into our life, what he attempts to do, rather, is damage our spiritual ear. And so what happens is we begin to soak up in our ears all of, this, all of these lies the enemy is feeding to us, and it damages our ear. So some of those lies may be curses that throughout your life that have actually been spoken over you. You may have heard people say, well, you're worthless. You have no value. You don't really matter. You'll never amount to anything. Listen to me. Those are lies from the enemy that are damaging your spiritual ear and are luring you away from the person that God created you to be. The enemy will always attempt to damage your ear by bringing curses into your life. And that's the power of words that we speak. Words matter. And once they're released, they can't be reeled back in. So we have to be careful. And we have to protect our ears. Do you remember the song that we used to sing when we were in children's church? We sang it years and years ago. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down below. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. You need to hear the voice of God. Not the lies and the curses from the enemy. And if you are here this morning with a damaged ear, what I say to you in Jesus Christ, there is healing and there is hope, and you will not find that in anyone or anything in this earth. God wants to heal your damaged ear so that you are able to walk in his presence and hear his voice. Another way that the enemy will try to damage your ear is he will, um, he will try to um, bring fear or, or doubt or, or, um, or sins into your life that can lure you away, and it comes primarily through your ear. And we will hear, or we will see it illustrated sometimes, 
by a little demon sitting on one shoulder, right? And a little angel that's sitting on another shoulder. Cute, innocent cartoon. But you know that's exactly what the enemy does? Because he's trying to damage your spiritual ear. Because if he can, feel, if he can fill your ear up with all kinds of stuff, then what happens is it blocks the voice of God from speaking into that damaged ear. Now we know that God is all-powerful. And God can get through all of the noise and the junk and the clutter in our lives. But what Jesus said in, John, in Revelation chapter 3 is he's knocking. Have you ever had somebody knocking on your front door and you didn't hear the knock? You don't go answer it. Why did you not answer it? Maybe you've got some crying kids in your house. Maybe you're running the vacuum cleaner. Maybe the TV is up way too loud. It doesn't change the fact that somebody is there knocking. And listen, Jesus is knocking. But if you're running around with a damaged ear, you're probably not going to hear the knock. And so what you have to do is step out of all of the noise and lies of the enemy in your life, and you have to say, God, I need my spiritual ears to be healed and whole so that as I walk in your presence, I am able to hear your voice and experience the promise of God that God is with me, Emmanuel, every single second of my life. Satan will always try to damage your spiritual ear. Let me give you, a, I think, an interesting example of this. As Jesus was, was preparing to actually, um, or they were actually preparing to crucify Jesus in John chapter 18, there's this conversation going on with Jesus and Pilate. And Jesus actually says to Pilate, this, listen to this, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now that's an important, vo- an important verse for us. If you were to say you were on the side of truth, you need to live, to live John 18, 37, that you listen to him. Here's the interesting part. Pilate, with a damaged ear, in the next verse says, well, what is truth? Jesus was speaking truth. Jesus was giving, really, an invitation. He said, I, I'm on the truth side. And if you were on the truth side, you hear his voice. You listen to him. And then Pilate's like, well, well, what is truth? Because he was listening with a damaged ear instead of experiencing the truth, God in the flesh, right there in front of him. What you have to do is listen to the voice of God and walk without divided ear completely with him. So how is this possible? We know that God spoke in the Old Testament. We know that God speaks in the, uh, he spoke in the New Testament. We know that it didn't end with his ascension into heaven, but it continues. How is it possible then for us to hear the voice of God? Two words, Holy Spirit. Here's the amazing part. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to abandon you. That's God speaking in the flesh. But he said, I'm going to actually leave with you, Holy Spirit. If you want to hear the voice of God, you have to allow Holy Spirit to lead you to get rid of the junk in your life, to to heal your ear so that you are able to hear the voice of God. You can't do it on your own. That is Holy Spirit's job. I'm going to give you six things quickly. We're going to go through these very quickly, I promise. We're not going to be here until the race starts a little later on today. We'll get out of here in a, in a bit, I promise. How to hear the Holy Spirit. 
You've got to submit. When you're the one doing all the talking, you'll never hear anybody. So you've got to submit. You have to say, God, I submit to you. I'm submitting wholly to you, 100%. I am submitting so that I am walking in relationship with you. Jesus said, if you're on the side of truth, you listen to me. Well, the way that you do that is actually by submission, living a life of obedience. We'll go back to the fact that disciples are made, they are not born. The way that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ begins by submission. When you entered into relationship with Jesus Christ, you submitted completely and wholly to him, 100%. The way that you grow into being able to hear the voice of God actually begins by submission. The next thing, and this word I almost didn't use. I was going to use a different word, but I think this is the right word for us. It's meditation. Now, I'm not talking about we're all going to get in circles. We're going to cross our legs. We're going to close our eyes and put our thumbs on our middle finger, and we're going to sit there, hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus gave us his word. And one of the charges that we have in life is to meditate on his word. I'm not talking about meditation to clear your mind. I'm talking about meditating on the word of God. Listen to me when I say this. Some of you have been wondering why you've not heard the voice of God. You've been trying. You've been been walking through life and you're like, well, I I just want to hear God's voice. He's given it to us. Here it is. If you don't start here, you will never get to a place in life that you are able to actually sense God in the moment. Because it's here the journey begins for disciples to be made And this is where your meditation starts. God has spoken to you. It's recorded from Genesis to Revelation. And the way that we begin to hear God in the moment is meditating on his word. And then we grow in that to where we're hearing God in the moment. And we don't have to go back to his word because I put his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. He will lead you, but you've got to submit and you have to meditate. The next, we talked about this last week, is communion and your journal. If God says something to you, don't you think it would be important enough to write it down? If there was a great wise person standing before you and they were giving you some direction in life, if you have the memory like I do, You need to write it down. The gifts that we have been given in the Psalms are actually David's journals. And we have been given the gift all throughout Scripture of people writing down instructions that they have been given from the Lord. And so if God is leading and God is speaking to you, it is important that you grab your journal and spending time in communion with him and sitting with him and just begin writing it down. Last week, we said it actually looks like this. You're sitting at the bottom of the triangle with him. That's you and God just sitting there, not running out into the daily task or in life itself. You're just sitting with God. You've submitted, you've meditated on his word, and now you are just sitting with you in your journal, and you're there and you're saying, God, what is it that you want to actually say to me? The next is fasting. We often skip this one. 
It's not comfortable and we don't like it. Fasting, we often accompany with food. But you can fast from a lot of different things in your life. When God sees your sacrifice, he knows that you are serious. And for some of us, we can get the submission part. We know about meditating on the word of God. We've sat down with our journal. We've said, God, I just want you to begin speaking to me. We need to go the next step, which is fasting, and say, God, I am going to sacrifice this for a morning, an afternoon, a full day, an evening, a week, a month, whatever it is, that you need to fast and give up something and sacrificing because of the great sacrifice that he made for you. Maybe, maybe these steps are steps that you can take that will write your ship, write your life in being able to hear the voice of God. The next is thankfulness. We forget about this one. Philippians 4, Paul said, you need to be thankful in all things, absolutely everything. You need to be thankful in the good, the bad, and the ugly, every single bit. What the enemy will do in lying to us is he will try to lure us away from thankfulness. And then what happens is we become great big sourpusses. There's no other way to say it. And for too long, we have forgot about being thankful and the vital part it plays in hearing the Holy Spirit. When you are walking and listening to the Lord, what you then discover is that things are coming to you and you are not caught up in, in life itself, but you're caught up in the refreshingness of living in relationship with God and the Holy Spirit leading you to hear His voice. And so the good, the bad, and the ugly that's coming at you doesn't bother you because you are living following the voice of God. Jesus said, I'm leading them. I'm leading them, and you know that if he's leading you, it's refreshing, and it, is not, um, it doesn't weigh us down. We've got to be thankful in everything. Thankful in absolutely everything. And then the last part of this is you have to be sensitive. You have to be sensitive. You have to wait for God. And in the moment, as you've gone through all of these things, don't get ahead of God. But simply wait on God. Listen, this is a vital part of your spiritual DNA. This is a vital part of our relationship with God. A.W. Tozer said this, the great theologian A.W. Tozer said this, if you do all the talking when you pray, how will you ever hear God's answers? How will you ever hear God's answers? I think that we're good at the talking part. I think we are amazing at the talking part. But we're not good at the being sensitive part in the moment when he wants to speak to us. So as I went up to pray over this service this morning, and pray over each of you that were going to be here this morning, I went up to the third floor right over here. And I went in the room and I turned the light on, closed the door as I do every Sunday. I sat down in one of the chairs and I reached for the remote and it felt a little warm in there. And I was gonna turn the fan on. And instead of hitting the right button, I'm new and I don't remember or I don't know which button is right just yet, I hit the wrong button and it was the light. But what had happened was the remote was back on the little table that was sitting there. And it was dark in the room. There are no windows in this room. 
It was completely dark. Like if I had put my hand here, I would not have been able to see my hand. And so I reached for the remote and I didn't get it. And I'm like, I'll just sit here in the dark and pray for just, just a few minutes. Maybe that's what God wants me to do. And as I sat there, over a period of a number of minutes, what happened was all of a sudden, my eyes had adjusted to the room and I was able to see. And what I saw that I'd never seen before, in the little window unit of an air conditioner, the light was peeking through on the outside, giving just enough light in the room for my eyes to be able to adjust and to be able to see. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, this is what some of us need to do in our spiritual walk. Just exactly like I was reaching to be able to turn the light back on in the minute because I was in that moment because I was worried I wasn't going to be able to see. And I thought, I need to see, I need to see, I need to see. And the Holy Spirit just said, just slow down. Let your spiritual life adjust to the moment so that you are so sensitive to what God is doing in the moment that then you're like, oh yeah, I see God speaking to me. And I see what he's doing. But what happens in our walk with him when the lights go out our heart beats faster. We start to breathe a little deeper and a little panic sets in and we're like, I've got to turn the light on. I've got to turn the light on. I've got to turn the light on. But what we forget is that sometime even in the darkness, God wants things to slow down just enough so that our spiritual eyes and ears can adapt to the surroundings around us just enough that we are sensitive enough to what he's doing that we then, oh yeah, I understand what God is doing in this moment. God wants to speak to you. God's heart is to speak to you. God wants to be in conversation with you all of the time. What we have to do is to prepare ourselves so that in every moment we are ready for the things that he says to us. God, God is ready to speak. And the more that you spend time with God, the more you'll become familiar with the ways that he is speaking to you. It's important. It's important. And he's ready. And he's willing. Are you?